Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hiya, Pete. Hey, everybody, it's Pete. What's going on? It's been a little while. Yeah, it certainly has. We're looking ahead to the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, with new episodes on February 4th. That's uh, in, uh, well, just next week. What we're doing this week is uh, we'd like to just step back for a little bit, kind of take a pause before we jump into those February sweeps, uh, take a little time to talk about some show news, some things that have been going on, uh, extend out to maybe some Marvel movie news, uh, some odds and ends beyond. Uh, and I, Pete, I guess the, the best place to start is that we have some big, big news to share, some level eight news, but that's not this time. We're... We- not yet. We do. We certainly Well, Pete, don't you know that? I thought you were supposed to be level eight. Listen, you know, there's some things even, you know, I don't know. Well, we're, we're working on that. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's, you know, turn our attention to, indeed, this upcoming Tuesday, February 4th, the return, finally, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, Pete, what's kind of the headline news for that episode? I guess we should caution our listeners. We're entering into... Not exactly spoiler territory. A lot of this is just, you know, like entertainment news relating to the show or to the Marvel movies. It's not, you know, like, you know, episode 22. Uh, that's when that's when Fitz dies. It's stuff like, hey, people coming to the show and ratings news and f- future news and, and anticipation for season two and things like that. So, right. I mean, a, a trio of of upcoming uh, guests uh, and in one case, uh, more than a guest, it would seem. But, um, you know, Matt doesn't tend to watch the previews, uh, those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, for next week's episode. Myself, hashtag spoiler Pete, of course, watches all, as uh, most viewers are meant to. So uh, anyone who viewed the, um, the previews, both after the most recent uh, first run episode and the couple of reruns we've had in between knows that uh, the generalissimo, the king of cameos, one Stan Lee will be making a guest appearance on the uh, Tuesday, February 4th episode to kick off February sweeps. Pete, have you ever noticed that his character in the Fantastic Four movies looks a lot like Guy buying Coke in the first Spider-Man movie? No, I did not. <laughs> See, that's how nuanced his performances are. <laughs> but, I mean, certainly, Pete, I think that um, it – I was going to say it's a great get. I mean, obviously, Stan Lee is so open to to these Marvel uh, iterations that, that he's clearly happy to do it. Um but I think that it also gives a certain stamp of legitimacy to the to, to the series, not in some big way. It's not that this is going to, you know, for people who abandoned the show in September, it's not going to say, oh, this is the difference maker. But I think that it's just a nod to to some of the ground that the show has made in terms of that that initial tweak period, that settling period. And it's kind of like, you know, Stanley is there almost kind of uh, hail, hail, welcoming hero welcome uh, agents of shield you know to to kind of full power that's been the hallmark of of the marvel cinematic universe and he's been in other films of other creations he's been associated with but the the consistency throughout of having him in there and in some he's he's filmed more than one cameo only one of which made it to the film i'm i'm in avengers here where 
you know, there were several cameos dropped in. Um, and obviously they only use the one, but you know, this is the legitimacy. This is, you know, not that agents of shield previously wasn't on the map, but when Stan Lee shows, guess what? Now it counts. And I think it's no mistake that, you know, we are 13 episodes in now. Okay. So if they only gotten the 13 episode order, our story essentially ends with the last episode. Okay. Yes, we have extended mysteries. We still don't know much of the um, the Coulson resurrection story. We're still trying to get to the bottom of of Sky's uh, parentage and and full abilities and everything there. Okay, but this is a wonderful way to acknowledge the back nine episodes to the twenty two episode order and really kick it off in a way that honors uh, Marvel as an institution. This is a guy too, Matt, that, you know, is a legend uh, throughout the entertainment industry, not just in Hollywood because of the the creations, but in terms of, um, you know, his rapport with fans. Okay. He is at every convention, it seems, we go to. Uh, you, you walk right by him. That's Stan Lee right there, you know, and uh, just just great to get him in there. Absolutely. And you've mentioned Stanley and we've kind of mentioned the, the shows, uh, you know, the, the shows uh, Genesis, if you will, or the, the beginning half of the season. Uh, we'll move from Stanley to ABC Entertainment President Paul Lee. Uh, he spoke at the Television Critics Association's uh, Winter Press Tour last week. And uh, a couple of quotes here, uh, I think quotes that some of our listeners probably have uh, have read on a number of websites. So here's a Paul Lee quote here. It was obviously disappointing that we started with a very high number and it came down. He, of course, is talking about the S.H.I.E.L.D. ratings. Uh, it took a little bit of time to find our sea legs, but now the show is really doing well. I think the key to us was really starting to work closely with the studios to figure out with our showrunners and all the creative brains how we could have a show that didn't have Iron Man in it, but did have an incredible amount of the Marvel Universe and an incredible amount of the mythology that went through there. We also took a little bit of time to get the balance between procedural and an arc. I'm so proud of how they've now arced out the last nine episodes. But that's something many shows do as they go through that. So, Pete, I, as a listener, say, you know, there were a number of episodes early on, September, October, where we maybe weren't completely in love with it. And people can go back and, and listen to those episodes there's been a certain uh, uh, direction, let's say, in the, the two episodes that aired in January to say, hey, you thought I Spy was standalone. Uh, no, it, we're, it, we're bringing it back into the Mike Peterson story. Uh, so on and so forth. You thought the, the, the clairvoyant stuff was maybe you know one baddie and not connected to Quinn. Guess what? Quinn is connected too. So they've kind of almost, in, in a sense, if those were meant to be standalone episodes, they kind of retconned them in to say, aha, you didn't know that the episode that, you know, some people weren't too keen on where such and such happened, well, that actually is almost a, you know, a prequel to Quinn and the clairvoyant fighting together, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And that's the nature of, you know, serialized mythological uh, storytelling, particularly when it comes to both TV and this extended property that ABC has now. And Disney has in Marvel. So we had to expect, and again, you know, what Jeff Lowe, the, the head of uh, Marvel TV, told us at, um, you know, 
your Comic Con was that you know with Whedon involved, uh, we are going to uh, mine every possible detail and mine it right down to the bottom of the mine. So you know both with new creations and things like uh, Coulson's character, what happened to him, his relationship with this cellist that has now come up on the TV show, which I fully expect at some point this season, we're going to see somebody uh, cast and then appear. Um, you know, the hashtag has been, it's all connected. It's all connected both on agents of shield and in the Marvel cinematic universe. Well, of course, I, I think for me and for many fans out there, there's only one logical choice to play the cellist. That is of course, Jennifer gray, misses clark gregg in some circles but i think that that's just i think that to me that's just perfect that's just what fits is to have the love of colson's life be the love of uh, clark gregg's life i couldn't agree more and you know what if if they haven't thought that i'd be disappointed <laughs> whether or not schedules will uh will allow it to work i for one hope so i i think it'd be a, a testament to uh their real life relationship and i think it'd be a really cool easter egg uh for those that don't know that are together you know but nobody puts the cellist in a corner <laughs> it would be some magical casting and uh speaking of casting we return back to to uh paul lee speaking uh speaking at that press conference he said creatively we are loving what we're seeing for the back nine we're doing a lot of work and I'm really enjoying doing this with Marvel. We can announce that Lady Sif is coming in in episode 15. Uh, Paul Lee said last week that they were shooting it at that time and that it'll be absolutely integral to the hour of television. Uh, then there's going to be this really cool arc to end the season. You're going to find out who the clairvoyant is. It's going to be very, very cool, says uh, Paul Lee, the uh, ABC Entertainment president. So... I'll just say for the you know for the, for those that are uh, anti spoiler like me, the notion of finding out who the clairvoyant is by the end of the first season to me that's uh, that that hasn't spoiled anything, Pete. No, not at all. And you know it, it comes back to Chekhov's gun. You know Chekhov's bad guy. You're going to mention a bad guy. You got to get to the identity of the bad guy by the end of the season. So we'll get that. I'm glad that they've had the. Um, the courage to at least come out and say that I think some of that goes back to maybe some of ABC's storytelling faux pas when it comes to season enders in the past, Matt, you might talk a little bit about that. I mean, Pete, of course you are referring to lost, uh, where, Hey, we're going to see, we're going to open the hatch. We're going to open the hatch. You open the hatch and find out, Oh, there's quite a bit down there. And I know the people were just absolutely irate. Uh, I of course was not one of them because I feel like how many t how many episodes do you need where it says now we have a resolution which resolves to another mystery? Um, I'm okay with that on Lost. Uh, I'm okay with that on Agents of Shield. I have no problem saying, oh well. So how did they bring uh, uh, Clark Gregg back? Well, we've seen part of it. You want to find the mechanism further behind it. Well, that's the next mystery. Um, I'm okay with mysteries leading to more mysteries. Definitely. I mean, you know, again, being the nature of, uh, serialized storytelling that's being pursued right now in Hollywood and everybody's still looking 10 years on now for the next, next lost, um, maybe 10 years down the road, Matt, just maybe they'll all be chasing the next 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, that certainly could be. And to circle back around mm-hmm. to, to the return of, uh, or I guess not the return, but mm-hmm. the uh, appearance of Jamie Alexander's Sif into uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, I just think that that's fantastic. And I see here, looking uh, at, at a similar uh, article announcing that on Entertainment Weekly, um, they repeat that this is going to be an integral part of the episode. I Here they contrast it with the delightful, but uh, I guess ultimately not terribly important uh, cameo of Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury uh, that we got in uh, in 102. Which okay, fair is fair. I, I don't. I hadn't considered the idea that she might just show up for a scene, but I'm certainly glad that they're confirming that she's going to be an important part of the episode. And Pete, again, we we're not looking to be too spoilery, but we have a sense of uh, of the involvement that she will have in the episode in terms of another character, don't we? We do. But first off, let me just say this: How cool is Jamie Alexander? You know, if you've seen the Thor movies, you know she kicks ass as Lady Sif. Uh, love the the little bit of romantic tension that was set up in in the most recent uh, Thor movie, and really interested to see where that could ultimately go. But that she's now going to show up on Agents of Shield, uh, having recently shown up post Thor two in costume in a children's hospital in Los Angeles. It doesn't get any cooler than that if you play a comic book hero or heroine than to do that. And it was like a completely spur of the moment thing. It wasn't, Hey, we're going to send a bunch of PR people down there and all right, send in, you know, uh, little Timmy. No, <laughs> she, she went and did that. Um, which is awesome. And she's going to be, uh, bringing in to agents of shield, the, uh, as guardian of Lorelai, who's going to be played by Matt. Uh, that would be Elena played by Satine indeed. previously on Smallville. And not to turn this into DC versus Marvel, but we know who's not just winning the battle. We know who's winning the war. <laughs> I have been railing since, since the announcement that Gal Gadot is playing Wonder Woman and Gal Gadot is a lovely woman. Uh, physically, she's an excellent actress. She's great in the Fast and Furious movies. But you know what, Pete? Real Wonder Women have curves. And why why Jamie Alexander wasn't the get and why Gal Gadot was, I think that's just miscasting. You know, we're all not cast to play certain roles. You know, why when I was walking the boards, Pete, no one asked me to play the romantic lead. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, joking aside, Jamie Alexander is a lowercase w wonder woman um she looks like the wonder woman with capital w's and uh, i'll just remind everybody hashtag make mine marvel indeed indeed um just something too and you know we're not ignorant to the fact that this has gone on through some of the presentations that uh marvel and abc and disney have done j august richards who plays uh mike peterson the now uh one-legged uh, centipede, if that makes any sense, uh, soldier uh, <laughs> on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who we uh, recently found out is still alive. And I guess with one leg, again, you're not kicking, you're more jumping. Um, he is, it's been announced, he's going to be playing the um, the comic book character of uh, Deathlock, who is a cyborg and apparently uh, a pretty badass guy. Um, 
and we're going to be getting a lot more there. So good news there as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see how that unfolds. Um, I, I'm not extremely familiar with the character from the comics, but I think that it's a nice use of dipping into that well. But it's also something that, that the, the show can make its own. I know that there are different iterations of Deathlock. One is, uh, one is a complete baddie. Another one actually spent time with S.H.I.E.L.D. So I personally think we're on a path, as I've said previously in the podcast, for... Uh, for J. August Richards to join the show as a cast member, if it's as you know, Deathlock iteration two or Deathlock uh, iteration Marvel Cinematic Universe, where he joins Shield, I, I think that that's all that's all possible. We certainly uh, we shall see. So exciting times ahead, Pete. Is there anything else that's been in the news uh, before? Well, Matt, let me ask you this: Can you tell me the only actor? who has ever on screen been killed by a Terminator, an alien, as in the Alien franchise, and a Predator. Not as in to catch A, but in <laughs> terms of and the Predator franchise. Uh, I'm going to guess, and I'm going to say Carl Lewis. Uh, game over, man. Game over. That would be uh, the glorious... Bill Paxton, ah. which it has been announced, uh, is going to do at least four episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. later this season. It's it's really exciting. I know we touched on it on the last podcast, uh, when whence we last spoke. But it really, you know, he's a nice get. He's obviously somebody who's a veteran of, of TV. Uh, thinking back to Big Love, he's a veteran of movies. And I think that he just, you know, he brings a certain, um, I don't know, a certain kind of blue collar, not quite blue collar, a certain everyman aesthetic similar to Coulson. I think if you just looked at the two guys as neutral, uh, kind of neutral faces, I think uh, uh, Clark Gregg comes off as a bit more, um, bit more refined, perhaps. And again, nothing against Bill Paxton personally. Right. I'm just saying kind of the, the, the face in front of you, the headshot, if you will. I think Bill Paxton is a little bit more like, you know, he might have some, his character might have some sort of seedy underbelly or, you know, he's a, he's a boozer, he's a brawler or he has a temper, that sort of thing should Cigar make for great interaction, you know, uh, you know, uh, machine gun toting guy. Whereas, you know, uh, Colson is as at home on the helicarrier as he is in the, you know, uh, Portland, uh, Philharmonic, uh, clearly this character uh, not uh, cast with that in mind. Again, not that Bill Paxton doesn't like to go and listen to nice music. And that, by the way, the character name, I believe, is John Garrett. That's what I've yes. seen floating around out there amongst the, uh, amongst the interwebs. Yes, and let, so let's just hope that things go better for him on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than they have gone uh, in Terminator 1, in <laughs> Aliens, and in Predator 2. Uh, all of which he met his demise at the hands of uh, science fiction legends. But, Matt, I'm going to go even further. It is my theory, and again, you know, spoiler Pete here, hashtag spoiler Pete. Uh, I will espouse that what they are doing with Paxton, they are creating Coulson B for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That there is a very real possibility 
that either in an already filmed and not acknowledged cameo in Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, or maybe even thinking ahead to Avengers Age of Ultron, that um, this character is going to show up. That This is done with that in mind. I mean, time will tell. I think it certainly makes sense in a certain venue that you might have a situation where um, you need that kind of guy. You need kind of the, the Coulson everyman, um, you know, everyday agent. And darn it, if you're shooting 25 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you need Clark Gregg in Copenhagen for three days of exterior shooting, and that's when, that's the only time that you can have access to the the Hoosie Watts where they're shooting him uh Avengers, you know, three in Bombay, that's when you get your your Bill Paxson as somebody else from that universe to to fulfill that need. I certainly hope it's all Colson all the time, but I kinda like the idea too that you're gonna see from the series, you're seeing a larger face of of all the agents of SHIELD, literally. Um, and that now Bill Paxson is just another agent that can be out there. Well, we know that the plot of Captain America centers largely around threats uh, within S.H.I.E.L.D. So to to plant him here, again, could get you some mileage both there and, and down the road. Let's just hope that as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., he plays a better agent than the uh, fraudulent uh, secret agent he played uh, opposite uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies and doesn't pee his pants. <laughs> Well, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to make a prediction that uh, at some point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether it's in these four episodes or later on, Agent John Garrett, as played by Bill Paxton, will be killed by an Asgardian, making the number of, uh, of, <laughs> of let's say, otherworldly creatures. I know the Terminator is technically from Earth, but I think it's, in a broad sense, it's otherworldly, uh, making that, that, that uh, kill count uh, up to four. There you go. As opposed to Thor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Next piece of news here, Matt, deals with, again, something called from the Marvel Cinematic Universe that may very well be coming to TV. Not ultimately decided just yet. But let's remember, at this time last year, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was not, uh, you know, a set in stone thing in terms of a decision. Vision, although the wheels were in motion. And that is with uh, the uh, idea here that Agent Carter, Peggy Carter, played by Haley Atwell in uh, the first Captain America movie, also of the uh, uh, titular uh, Marvel one-shot uh, on the Iron Man uh, three discs, uh, there is a plan to shoot a pilot uh, for her own show. Yeah, and this uh, this news also came out at the uh, at the uh, television critics uh, bash last week, and uh, I'll read a little bit from an article here from the Hollywood Reporter. By the way, if you want to read it yourself, the headline is Marvel's Agent Carter, Haley Atwell, writers, showrunners confirmed for ABC drama. Uh, so the article goes on to say the drama, inspired by the Captain America one shot, uh, has tapped Reaper creators Tara Butters and uh, Michelle Fazekas as showrunners. This was confirmed by the aforementioned ABC Entertainment Group president Paul Lee. Uh, the article notes that Agent Carter takes place a year after the events of Captain America: The First Avenger, uh, and follows uh, Steve Rogers' girlfriend, Agent Carter, as she builds her career as a secret agent. While the hero is in ice, uh, Paul Lee 
uh, called it called the script quote good and noted that certainly has a good chance to be on our network and uh, they confirmed that Haley Atwell is attached to the project and then uh, noted that it is merely in development and it has not been ordered to pilot so for those of you who don't know the process it would be ordered to pilot they take a look at the pilot say yes we like it then from there you'd order it to series probably for 13 episodes and then get uh, you know get the back nine if it's strong so exciting news there pete and a little bit of a like an oh duh moment where you say like when the title of agents of shield came out which technically is marvel's agents of shield it kind of was like oh it's abc's marvel's agents of shield and now you say well wait a minute now you can just call this agent carter but call it marvel's agents of carter and you'll go oh marvel's agents of carter marvel's agents of shield i get it so yeah, exciting so th- exciting times ahead of us there could be a lot of colons uh coming uh to the marvel universe sometimes <laughs> let's hope that uh in in figuring out the titles everything uh you know works out smoothly we don't get any kinks in the colons <laughs> So uh, I, I'm I'm psyched to see where that's where that's headed. I really really am. I hope that it's a it's a series that indeed does happen. I mean, the thought of some kind of you know 19, 1945, 1946 type show um, period piece that's that sounds wonderful. It could be cool. I mean, we know of the plans for Netflix to get several of Marvel's darker heroes, Daredevil, etc. Uh, for 13 episodes each their own series on Netflix and then bring them together in a uh, if not a 13 episode series a an Avengers like uh, miniseries right. all through Netflix but you know and, and again I do think we got to be careful of burnout of Marvel on TV uh, citing you know some of the stuff that went on with uh, in the past with uh, Star Trek and, you know, shows that had multiple iterations on at once, you know, Law and Order and, and things like this. But, you know, the iron is uh, is hot right now. So let's strike it. Well, Pete, I know the quote that I had read uh, was uh, some, I don't know, maybe it was attributed to Paul Lee. I don't quite remember. But basically it was saying the four shows that are going to be on Netflix, that's what marvel and and disney at large have determined as properties that are meant for more of a hardcore audience not necessarily hardcore in terms of you know nudity or language just are people going to tune in on on um specific you know on a specific night to see an iron fist uh uh tv show probably not enough to make it worth network time plus i think netflix uh the netflix partnership is one where uh marvel studios recognizes you're not competing for that limited amount of network uh network time you know it's only you know it's three hours a night five nights a week or i guess six including a sunday so that's a nice way to say some people will check this out and the financial end you know makes sense for netflix and marvel and whatnot but it's not some sort of live and die you know are you selling enough commercial time to make it happen um Whereas I think clearly the decision has been made, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has broad enough appeal to be on a television network, a broadcast network. Same thing potentially with Agent Carter. That will ultimately be the decision. They might love the show, but it's going to be, will people watch it in enough numbers to make it worthwhile for, you know, the American broadcasting company as opposed to another venue? So 
I think it's great that kind of Marvel, Disney, ABC, they're all working together to figure out what is it that works for everybody. They're not going to shoehorn in a Daredevil TV series, which frankly is probably taking place in a world that is not appropriate for broadcast TV or certainly for the eight o'clock hour. So they're figuring out where those pieces can go. And as for burnout, I think Netflix would tell you, Pete, well, you don't need to watch it the first weekend. We'd love it if you do. But if you want to watch Daredevil, you know, six months after it comes out, go watch it. You want to do it on the summer when there's no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., no Agent Carter, and, and you know, it's a month after the latest Marvel movie. Go watch it then. So there's that flexibility in there, which, which I find really exciting. You know, with Marvel, you know you're getting a plan. And you know that plan has been thought out in advance and it's measured Um and this idea here that we're going to have several stories take place in, yeah, the non-prime time, you know, uh, full-scale audience of, uh, you know, Hell's Kitchen as a setting um, and being able to do everything there, I think is important. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Will the plan go exactly as it's been delineated so far? I mean, listen, plans change, but, you know, that you have the movie universe, that you have the broadcast TV idea, that you have the subscription TV idea. And for all we know, you know, Agent Carter winds up on Showtime or, you know, heaven help it, the Disney Channel or something <laughs> like that. It'll be out there and that they're going to go into a period now, you know, so you're going to have a show running concurrent with the film. You're going to have a period piece. Who knows where the the four Netflix shows could be set, um, you know, but it's just exciting that this universe continues. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, yes. Cause I think, expand. I think there was some, and maybe I'm just mixing up uh, uh, thoughts in my head. Uh, I thought there was some sort of buzz as to the four Netflix series, maybe taking place in the seventies. They, they um, could, they're, they're non committal okay. to this point on that. And again, you know, they can do that. They could set it now. They could set it in the seventies. You know, and, and again, you're dealing with science fiction fantasy, you know, all right. So, you know, obviously you take a page, you're not going to take the page from Captain America and freeze Daredevil. And then he shows up, <laughs> you know, in the Doctor Strange movie or, or what have you. Um, but, you know, you could. Right. It exists. Similarly, if you set the Netflix series in the current day, you have the opportunity for like, Oh wow, Daredevil is really blowing up as a show. Let's have Daredevil be a guest for two episodes, or you know, there's that possibility too. It's just bottom line is this: Marvel thinks things out in a way that gives you options, that gives you creative options. Nobody's saying you need to do this movie to sell the latest iteration of a Batman toy, or you need to do this to sell Halloween costumes. It's story first for each one of these movies, for for each one of these episodes. There have been some great Marvel movies. There have been some ones that are not not fantastic. Same thing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a bunch of fantastic episodes, some where a tweak was needed to be made. But it's about finding that creative center and building out from there. And it's just – it's part of the new Disney aesthetic since Bob Iger came along to just build on the creativity and stop trying to sell plush toys first, have the story, then build on top of it, and – and it's really exciting. It's tremendously exciting. And Definitely. Pete, well, I'll get off my soapbox here. I know that there's some <laughs> other exciting creative news in the Marvel movie uh, world, if you will. I don't. I, you know, I hesitate to say Marvel Cinematic Universe because that's that's all of this. But what Marvel movie news do we have, especially about your pal and mine, 
Captain America. Yes. Well, we get so caught up in the in the week to week TV exploits here, um, you know, of our Marvel heroes. But uh, lest we forget, you know, we're uh, just a little over uh, two months away um, from uh, a um, is my math wrong? No, you're absolutely right. It's 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 we're almost at February fourth. February fourth. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, March fourth. Well, it's 4th. the end of January now. You know, we're a little over two months away from and and uh, next week's new Shield episode will be exactly two months to the day that Captain America Winter Soldier countdown. The, the the cap down. If you Ooh, will. cap down. Nice. Okay. Hashtag cap down. Anyway, um, you know, uh, just today. Uh, the Captain America Winter Soldier tweeted out uh, at least three new character posters, one for Captain America, Steve Rogers, one for uh, Black Widow, the excellent uh, Scarlett Johansson, ScarJo herein, and then uh, <laughs> a great one, background on the helicarrier of uh, your and my favorite director, uh, one-eyed director of S.H.I.E.L.D. proper, Nick Fury, the fabulous uh, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, looking uh, angry and menacing uh, all at the same time. So there's that coming. We're also going to get a trailer during the Super Bowl, uh, which I can't imagine will be 100% new stuff after the first trailer uh, we got uh, in front of Thor, uh, The Dark World, but we'll have new stuff, obviously, that wasn't ready or suitable to be released when... uh, the, the original trailer came out. Um, so there's that coming in the next couple days. Exciting times ahead. Uh, okay. Moving to the next uh, chapter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe after that with Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, my prediction to be the highest grossing film of 2014, mm-hmm. which bows in August. Uh, there will be, it's been confirmed by director James Gunn, there will be no trailer uh, during the Super Bowl, which uh, disappointed a lot of people, but he did tease something big is coming very soon. I'm okay with it not being before the Super Bowl because I think that not you know not to go back waxing eloquent about how well Marvel is run, but I think that they do a really great job of uh, of having you channel your expectations. Um, some of the TV shows that are on right now, January February of 2014, it's it's things that were teased all the way back at at San Diego Comic-Con in July. And it's so long ago that the hype is now gone. Um, I think that's probably wise to say, if you go to see Marvel movies and you're watching the Super Bowl, go to the next Marvel movie that is in two months. Um, To then do Guardians of the Galaxy to build buzz. To build buzz for what? You're going to say, oh, I can't wait to see that, you know, space movie. Uh, hey, there's a Captain America movie? Like, just stay on your simple message of go in April. And right. And, I think- and you don't want to stack the box to the point, too, where you're talking about $4.3 million per 30-second spot. Right. And communicating the complicated ideas going on with clearly – the Marvel Cinematic Universe's most complex story to date in terms of unawareness. You know, listen, anybody can walk into Captain America off the street and get it. You know, 
you're not. Who are those guys with red armpins? Oh, they're the bad guys. Yes. I yes. get it. With the funny spider on there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Not, please understand I'm referring to a swastika and not the Hydra. I get the <laughs> difference between a spider and a, a, um, an octopus before we get any, you know, uh, irate email anyway. Okay. Um, that was a classical reference there. Hopefully people got it. But the idea here that, um, you know, very hard to communicate what that movie is going to be around, going to be about and around in 30 seconds. So, you know what? Discretion here is the better part of valor. And you know what? Let Captain America have this time on America's day on Super Bowl Sunday, We'll get to the Guardians of the Galaxy all in good time. Plus, I think it surely must just be a foregone conclusion that the secret scene after Captain America 2 is going to be something big for Guardians of the Galaxy. We had the one tease at the end of uh, at the end of Thor 2. That's just got to be what they do. There's no way they're going to tease Avengers so far out. Avengers 2. Uh, they I disagree. May. Okay. I disagree, Matt. I, I think they've shown at times a willingness to 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 go further ahead if i'm laying money at this point i'm going to say that the avengers um age of ultron will be the substance of the secret scene at the end of captain america i think at the end of guardians of the galaxy they will also hit avengers avengers is going to be so big in 2015 i mean look at the movies that have already moved out of summer of the crowded, once crowded summer of 2015, the Batman, Superman, Justice League, Wonder Woman, Aquaman mess, okay, whatever that's called. We still don't have a title. Um, Jurassic Park move out of 2015 as well? I think that's 2015 as well, I think. It's okay. so fluid at this point. And and there was one other that recently moved. And and Star Wars has moved into deeper into 2015 because, you know, I think uh, issues there as far as the casting not yet done. They just finished the script. And, you know, they're going to give it a go at Christmas for the first time, you know, with the schedule that they have. So, you know, not that we need to make people available or available, aware that Avengers 2 is coming. But I think they're really going to... Th- chest and tease it that it's coming with everything that's going on there you know the one other thing i'll say about the guardians of the galaxy addressed recently and i meant to mention it with bill paxton before we've been told that 99 percent of that movie takes place on the other side of the galaxy but what's that one percent taking elsewhere and that's my uh you know wonder is you know paxton part of that is Coulson going to show up in Guardians of the Galaxy? How are we going to kick the can over to Avengers with the events of that movie? And it's just a cool time to speculate about this right now. Well, I know that the uh, you know the human guy is obviously from Earth. I I, I would expect that's where the one percent is. the The thought of having Paxton and Greg in that movie to kick it off, you know, to kick off the Earthbound portion. I mean, that's that's an exciting thought. Either or, man, you never know. I mean, one yeah. percent of of a of a two hour movie of a you know uh, hour fifty minute movie is still one percent of whatever that time is. But to think that that could possibly happen, I think, is a great thing. Speaking of Avengers two, and as I mentioned before, the script is ready. Uh, um, 
uh, we've had remarks in uh, the last little bit, both from ScarJo and from uh, Dr. Banner, um, the Incredible Hulk, Mark Ruffalo, that it is a uh, wittily dry and dark script. Of course, they're not going to come out, and e- even if it was dark and bad, and which we know it's not going to be, they're not going to come out. It's awful, but you know what? I need to cra- cash this check anyway. Uh, so there, we're... We're beginning to hear about that, and obviously we'll we'll hear more about that as we get closer to uh, Captain America. And I would imagine shooting is is going to take place, going to start pretty soon. Absolutely, it's 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 really just there's so much going on in, in the Marvel uh, scope. But I think you know they're also aware to not do it too fast. I'm mean, to kind of bring it back to a moment uh, to your notion of, uh, of burnout. It's like, you know, we can just sit here and go, Oh, the script is ready. Da, da, da. Most of the people who are going to see Avengers two don't care that the script is ready. They're not following that kind of level of news. It's just Marvel's churning behind the scenes, getting the job done step after step. Definitely. You know, so with that, Matt, really the only segment we're going to do from our ordinary uh, week-to-week uh, episodic podcast. Um, now we're going to take a look at some decrypted transmissions from some of our agents out there. We sure are. Each week we say, hey, head over to fantasticgeek.com, leave a comment on the webpage. You can click on the PayPal link if you care to donate and uh, support the bandwidth costs, etc. We also encourage people to tweet. We encourage people to call the listener line, 732-707-1815. Or lastly, as this person did, uh, send us an email to FantasticGeek. That's fantastic with a PH. FantasticGeek at gmail.com. And we got an email from Agent Gray. And this is a lengthy, thoughtful email. And uh, I will take it from the top. Hi, guys. I've been listening to your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast for a few weeks now and actually went back and listened to all the back episodes just to get your take on what happened in the series so far. I really enjoy hearing your perspective, and I think you're my favorite of all the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcasts out there. Wow. Indeed. Uh, I wanted to write today to share my two theories about what's to come on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've thought uh, about it a lot, and honestly, barring any wrenches thrown in the works, I feel pretty good about these. So, Pete, are you ready for Agent Gray's first theory? I'm seated and ready. Excellent. Theory one, Sky's power. All of the comments people have thrown around that she must be a technophile just make me say, really? I don't think that uh, would have been super evident in her infancy in a small Chinese village. But that's just me. There are three things we know about her power. One, it was observable in her infancy. Two, it was big enough to deal for an entire. Vi- it was a big enough deal for an entire village to die trying to defend her. To me, this suggests that her power was something that caused the villagers to venerate her as a god. After all, a whole village wouldn't ardently give their lives for a technophile or even just a really special baby, would they? Three, for theory one, Sky's power. Uh, she has never known about it, which means she either has never ca- uh, has never had cause to use it or it is so subtle that she doesn't notice it. If it was so subtle she's never noticed it, how would the villagers have noticed it? It has to be a big deal. So I think that she's never used it since infancy. All these things lead me to the theory that Sky's power is self-resurrection. It's something that could have been observed in infancy. It's a big deal, enough to make people venerate her as a god, and she's never had another cause to use it. I actually think she may have used it twice in infancy, 
once that the villagers observed, and again before she was found by agents Avery and Lumley, covered in blood, so that they thought she was dead. Maybe she really had been. I think this makes story sense because of the intrigue of Coulson's resurrection. Now there is another power capable of resurrecting. Hmm. My bet, based on the ABC preview and the comment from Elizabeth Henstridge and Chloe Bennett that the end of the episode will leave viewers worried, is that Trax, which is the name of the next episode, Pete? Yes. Okay, is that Trax will end with Sky getting shot and crying. This is Agent Gray's theory, not a spoiler per se. Pardon right. me. <laughs> shot and dying, not crying. Well, she uh, might cry and then die. It could indeed. happen. If she dies and then cries, I think we'd be taking a page out of Cole's book. That would be a little too soon. <laughs> so uh, Agent Gray's first theory wraps up with her saying, then, this is shot and dying, then, either in the scene at the end or the following week, if they really want to leave us in suspense, she will come back to life. So, Pete, your thoughts about Sky's power that it is one of self-resurrection. Can we have two characters that are resurrected on the same show who have a fairly strong bond with one another? We could. I just think it's a little too close to what Coulson has been through. Um, again, would it would it foster their connection? Absolutely. I, I just don't think that's it. And again, that's not to put down that theory. I think it's a good theory. I just don't think that's where they're going. I think it's too similar to what he's been through. It's an extremely well thought out theory. And I love how she's gone back to get um, um, kind of a rational understanding of what would make a village behave this way. Um, I, I agree with you, Pete. There's just that one little that one little catch there. Or they can have two people with the same you know the the same power the same instance i know it's not exactly colson's power but um it's so incredibly thoughtful I, uh, you know we have a second theory from agent gray to share in a moment but just really really love it um just i'm kind of with you it's like i don't quite I and mean, could they do it they absolutely could but with that pete should we move on to theory number two yes all right this is theory number two entitled the clairvoyant and the winter soldier my bet is that the clairvoyant and his posse will eventually be the ones responsible for the Winter Soldier. Let's think about it. They have super soldier capabilities already, and now they are trying to figure out how to bring someone back from the dead. I'll pause Agent Gray's words to say, holy cow, she has me hooked after two sentences. Back to Agent Gray. Uh, our assumption at first was that they want to resurrect their guys who get killed in action. But what if they're actually wanting to bring someone back who's been dead for a lot longer than that? I am not a Marvel Comics reader, and I don't know much about the Winter Soldier's backstory, but I know this show doesn't seem shy about altering origin stories. What if Centipede slash the Clairvoyant know that Bucky will be the perfect foil for Captain America, either to come against him or, as the Cap 2 trailer seems to suggest, to help Cap come into temporary alignment with Centipede against a rotten shield or element within shield? If this theory is accurate, then somehow, before Cap 2 comes out, the clairvoyant will have his or her hands on a method of resurrecting Bucky. It could be Coulson tech, it could be uh, by mining out whatever power is in Sky, as they did with Scorch. Will Mike Peterson be the key to Centipede getting their hands on Sky? Who knows, could be. So Pete, your thoughts on Agent Gray's theory number two. Again, really, really thoughtful and thought out. Uh, um have to see how it plays out at this point nobody can tell so uh 
predictions if they come true. If not, serious thought behind it. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 definitely possible here. I think it would be bold on the show's part to say we're actually the back backbone background of the latest movie. Um, and if so, I mean, we'll find out pretty quickly. It has to be in the next two months, right? It's, it's going to be useless if it's uh, you know a May episode and they go, "Behold, Bucky Barnes defrosted." Right. So we'll know pretty quickly. <laughs> Uh, Agent Gray concludes by saying, I hope you enjoyed my wild but considered hypotheses. Uh, maybe I'll end up uh, on your show if you think they have any merit. I'll be, I'll be listening, she says. And they absolutely were considered hypotheses. And they, they absolutely have merit, even where we, we may have disagreed slightly. So thank you so much, Agent Gray. Pete, I think the Agent Gray uh, deserves a little something. How about you? I was going to say, Matt, how much do we appreciate Agent Gray's input here. We right here. That's her <laughs> agent of the week button, uh, which I will get in touch with her and send it out. I know I actually need to send out a, a previous one as well. So uh, we will be in touch, Agent Gray, our agent of the week for that incredibly thoughtful, incredibly intelligent uh, uh, series of thoughts there. So thank you again, Agent Gray. Definitely. Thank you. With that, Pete, we'll just remind everybody, join us, especially if you're in the East uh, East Coast or Central Time Zone, join us for the live tweet uh, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes starting February 4th. Uh, follow Fantastic Geek, that's Fantastic with a PH on Twitter. Uh, I mentioned all the contact info before, won't, won't go there, but I will mention, Pete, that there is a certain uh, a Twitter celebrity amongst us, that is, of course, <laughs> you, People write in each week, Pete. It's it's a stack of mail. How many followers do you have now? Well, 2,056 wow. followers. Can't be wrong. Bravo. You can find me on the Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. And I am personally on Twitter at Looking Back Lost. And uh, we will see all of you again in due course in just a couple of days. Uh, we, of course, podcast uh, the night the episodes air. And uh, we'll be back February 4th talking about uh, the latest episode, Tracks. So with that, Pete, I will say adios to one and all. And I will let you have your famous final word. See ya. See ya.